welcome to the Vagabond Way podcast, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. This episode, The Long Road to Now. This episode, The Long Road get together to talk about the launch of the new documentary, Rise of the Artisan, or The Long Road to Now. Uh, some behind-the-scenes insights, some thoughts on the artisan music movement we are trying to build, and the beacon lighting we hope to achieve for others on our wavelength. Steve Bonham also digs into the life of the Vagabond, a life with the earth and the effete. Kev Moore brings us the next entry in his Camino journal, and the, the Bishop, that's me, I take you through my recent pretzel-making experience. The Vagabond Way podcast featuring The Long Road is exploring the world of the troubadour, the adventurer, the vagabond. The world isn't beige, it isn't processed, it's authentic, it's rich and it's real. If those are the sorts of sentiments that make your brain light up, then hop on board. We are embracing all of those things, we're celebrating all of that, and we'd love it if you joined us on the journey. Greetings, I am Chris the Bish Leiden. It's great to have you with us for another slice of Long Road Life, wherever in the world you are. Uh, the Long Road are launching uh, new music videos in the coming weeks, so keep your eyes and ears out for them. Uh, but today's podcast is about one video in particular that goes live today, which you'll hear about in a minute. Our documentary, filmed back in November, when we were making our latest bunch of recordings. Um, so you can watch Rise of the Artisan, or The Long Road to Now, at thelongroadband.net slash Rise of the Artisan. Um, it's just under 30 minutes and we hope gives people an enjoyable insight into the process, but also a revealing sort of step behind the curtains of the uh, aims and aspirations of some artists at work. Um, but also trying to light the beacon for others out there um, to engage with their own creative juices uh, and make their mark on the world. So anyway, I'm going to hand over to me. <laughs> Are the three of us together again for another of our chats. Uh, the Bish here. I'm at home in Manchester. We've got Kev, who is actually at Woodworm Studios right now. Kev, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. We're actually interrupting you cooking your dinner, aren't you? <laughs> Both you're cooking your tea. You can't see it, listeners, but I've just <laughs> created. Uh, well, creation's a big word because it's Frey Bentos. <laughs> but it, it has got a, it has got a rather rather nice puff pastry crust. Now, is that is is this a pie or is that a casserole with a with a pastry lid? I'd say it's a pie. It it doesn't have particularly pie walls though. So uh, perhaps That's our it. listeners out there can can tell us exactly. Or perhaps you know, Bish, being in the culinary uh, <laughs> arena, what constitutes a pie? You know, because you get these pies in pubs, don't you? That are in earthenware pots and they only yes. have a crust. Yeah, and they're so hot they burn through the table underneath them. <laughs> they do. Does, does ah, it's pie, extraordinary. Does yeah. a pie need a wall? Well, it's something. I mean, if 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 my brother ends up listening to this, my brother James has some rather fixed ideas on what a pie is or is not. And to him, if it's if it's a filling that's hasn't got a pastry encasing and it's just a lid, then that is, as far as he's concerned, almost certainly a casserole with a a pastry lid, mm. which doesn't fulfil the pie requirements. But then shepherd's pie. It's, you can't call it a shepherd's casserole. Ah, I mean, what? Yes, exactly. I mean, a cottage pie. So it pies enough cottages in. I mean, it's pies. I should qualify that um, Frey Bentos themselves are not calling it a pie on the lid. Ah. It, it merely says Frey Bentos minced beef and onion, and that's oh, right. they're allowing the, the buying public to to decide what they want it to to be. What, what were we talking about, Bish? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I haven't actually finished the hellos yet. Oh, I said hello to Kev. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so I think it might be now time for me to say hello to Steve. Oh, and hello. then we wrap up. <laughs> hello. Hello, everybody. Steve, how are you? <laughs> what language is Steve going to say hello in this week? I'm going to say it in English and slightly excitedly. Yes, slightly giddily in English. Yeah, sorry. There we are. The three, the three of us together for another round of digital chats discussing the, the wondrous world of the long road and the, um, oh. the silly corner as we find ourselves in we're, we're coming to the end of a sort of little patch of activity um you know we've talked about it before on the podcast we've done our festival recently um we've been working on this project for the last six months um called down at the crossroads where we got to record some new material we recorded a music video we've recorded a bunch of music videos actually we're looking forward to the future of what we're going to be doing next we've put in a some applications for some things we want to do some more recordings um and we're looking ahead to later in the year when hopefully Things in the UK have opened up enough and we're going to be able to go to some venues and actually play some of this music we've been making. Um, some of the new stuff, some of the stuff we've been making, um, we made actually just before lockdown kicked in, but then spent the year, the 15 months from the end of, sort of 2019 to the start of this year, releasing it. Um, and one of the things that happened in all of that sort of activity we were doing was when we were at Woodworm last uh, November, it would have been, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. We had a, a documentary film crew with us. Um, film crew being two people, but, you know, it's it, you've got to big these things up sometimes, haven't you? Yeah. The uh, the brilliant Cat Hodgkinson and the uh, fabulous Gemma Caldwell. Thanks to Arts Council England, we were able to um, document the whole process whilst we were doing it. The, the results of the studio time wasn't just five new tracks recorded, it was five new tracks Five new music videos, not all of which have been released yet. Only one has actually been released yet. We're still working on the rest. Uh, and this documentary. Uh, and so we're going to be releasing this documentary uh, around about the time this podcast comes out. Yeah. Um, so thinking back to that time, chaps, I mean, do you remember November last year? <laughs> it, yeah. feels, yeah. it, it feels like a lifetime ago. It, it feels like a different time to me. It does. In fact, it's got that. that, that I think the documentary's got that kind of cap capturing a moment feel, actually. On a personal level, you look at it, you think, "Oh wow, that was there on the road, you know." And then we're here now, and it's it's kind of really interesting to watch, even in three months or four months, how things are rolling forward. So uh, it's lovely. She's done a fantastic job. I remember it being incredibly. It was quite labour intensive, and I remember thinking, "How is this going to? Will it affect how we're working, recording, having the cameras around?" But but it really actually highlighted to me how good Kat and Gemma are at their job, really. Yeah. Because they kind of fitted around us. And the stuff we see coming out there, I'm like, wow, they they got that, they captured that. And we're kind of just busy working away, trying to get the tracks down. It was amazingly seamless, considering the amount of stuff we'd... Because it, it, we'd taken on quite a lot. Yeah, we, we, we were trying to do three almost separate projects at once in the studio. Uh, and we, we, I mean, I did kind of know that when we when we signed up to it, and I knew that there would be some limitations on what we'd be able to achieve. Yeah. In my opinion, we th we three approached our time there almost normally as we would do. You know, yeah. keeping track of all the musical things. We were trying to. We were, our focus was always on the music, trying to make the music as good as it could be. Uh, and Cat and Gemma magically managed to sort of just slip and slide around that, and would occasionally grab one of us, say, "Can you just speak to me for fifteen seconds? Answer this question." Yeah. And you go, "Okay, yeah," and and. and in a way, not having to, not having had time to prepare anything. Uh, I mean, listeners, when you watch the documentary, you will see 
three men who have been accosted at many, many times and said, answer this question immediately. Yeah. We have yeah. not I suppose that's the subtle art of direction, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And we answer this question immediately. We've pre we prepared some of the notion and some of the themes. We knew what we were doing and we knew what we were doing musically. But actually, when you're in the moment and you're doing something, the the truth often comes out. And that's what yeah. I found watching, watching the first take of it. I think, wow, they actually cut through to the real core of what we were doing. And part of that is down to how Gemma and Kat there approached is a, it. There was a Cato, uh, those who remember the Peter Sellers films, and Inspector Clouseau had a, uh, a karate instructor called Cato who was permanently in his company trying to teach him karate. And whenever, <laughs> yes. whenever Peter Sellers had a moment like he'd bring his girlfriend home, Cato would leap out of the wardrobe and <laughs> indulge. Yes. You know that? And, and, and Cass in particular did have that quality, you know, like you'd just be, I'd be on the way to the bathroom and she'd leap out the shower and say, <laughs> what do you think? And I was oh, uh, yeah. I, and it, as it, what's the word? Cinema verite? Is that what it is? You're, not, you're a creative person. Is that the right phrase? You know, that. You know, that Cinema verite. Yeah. Well, I don't know what it means, but it sounds like. You know, that yeah, it's, it's real, real, real. The truth. Isn't Verity the track? The truth. I'm thinking back just now to the very first. This was actually even before Steve had arrived at the studio. And the very first thing that we did was we did these talking heads out the, the, the front. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd been awake for 20 minutes at this point or whatever, so I didn't know what I was going to say. But actually, they we managed to somehow get across the point of what we were trying to achieve. We, we've called the documentary in the end Rise of the Artisan. And it's got a snappy little subtitle, which is The Long Road to Now, which when Steve sort of um, jokingly suggested it, I thought was the most fabulous set of puns wrapped <laughs> into one little one little sentence. I just thought we, we, we have to call it both things. It can't just be one or the other. It has to be Rise of the Artisan or The Long Road to Now. The, one of the fabulous things that, uh, I mean, if people, people should go and watch the documentary because the content of the documentary, I think, is actually very good. I think... As 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 I think we were um, laudably coherent. <laughs> yeah, and and we were trying to we were, we would we were in the process of making something that would we and in a way we'd never done it this way before because we were in the middle of a national lockdown. We'd we'd written rehearsed these songs essentially over Zoom. Yeah, we had not played them together. Actually, um, more than we, we I think we had a day of rehearsals, didn't we, where we'd managed yeah. to play them together, socially distanced. When we did these talking heads, so I did. My, I think I might have been first. And I did it out the front. I was like, okay. I, I kind of feel like I'm setting out the store here. Um, but also, when we did those talking heads, you didn't know what the other chaps had said. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't see for another four months what Steve had said or what Kev had said. And, that, and likewise, they didn't know what I'd said. So there were all, for us, as just people watching this show, there were all these magical moments where we found oh, out. Right, yeah. And I, and I loved that bit of it. And that's part of the the truth bit of it, the, the, the documentary bit of it. I think it tells the story of what we were trying to do at that moment really, really well. And as a sort of a Kickstarter for this movement we're trying to build, this artisan movement, I think it's captured a slice of it. I mean, because we're not saying that me, Steve, and Kev are the artisan movement. We are a cog in that, in that wheel. Big, bigger machine. There are loads of people out there who are on this on, on a similar wavelength to us who are making this stuff. And I I really hope that actually some people watch it and are inspired by what they saw we were able to do. Um because the goal with the documentary isn't it really bish to to sort of say look you know that come on board come on this journey you know and and um you can do it make your i think we even allude to that um in the documentary don't we you know you can do it you know to me the documentaries it's just a, a particularly big stone hopefully 
but it's a big stone to throw in the pond and disturb the surface of the, the rather smug, complacent surface of the industry, music industry pond, you know, to say, actually, we don't have to be tied down by those sorts of rules that you like and then work for you because they don't work for us. And I think, yeah, that's what I say. There's lots of stones, and that's what's exciting is there's lots of stones going in the pond at the moment. I mean, I just saw Simon and uh, Charlotte over at Arc Radio. Uh, they've got Kate Rusby uh, being interviewed on their show. Well, that is inconceivable uh, three or four years ago because she's a folk singer and they're a country station. Yeah. It, it's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. It's just rule, unnecessary rules, and they get it. And so many more people are getting it at the moment. It, it's 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 brutal. The other thing I really loved about doing that documentary, or not about it, but the, the fact I think Cat's done an amazing job. Is it's a kind of witness to what happens in music, really. Uh, I, th- I think if you didn't know how a studio worked and you didn't know how you went from a raw song into a, a finished piece of music. In a, in a in a craftsman-like way, which is about people playing instruments, not just programming things, you wouldn't know. You know, a couple of people I've shown it to uh, have said, that's not a story I was aware of. I didn't know how that... It, and it makes a case. You know, it witnesses... I'm not saying we're great craftsmen, but it witnesses craft in the studio. Yeah. It witnesses craft. And that, that I'm, I'm proud to be part of that witnessing if that makes sense. I don't know if you've been listening regularly to this podcast. One of the bits I really enjoy is Kev's Camino Diary, uh, his story bit by bit of his... uh, Pilgrimage of Compostela, trekking through what appears to be some pretty awful weather on occasions towards the cathedral that houses the remains of St. James in Santiago. Now, Mark Kev has got away with words, and the story is full of observations and insights and sometimes rueful reflections on his own challenges. And I love the way characters appear and disappear in the story. Dogs, students, the eccentric proprietors of the Alberque, the hostels he stays in and meets even more wonderfully insane people. The little old lady who wishes him well at the top of the mountain. It's the randomness of life that appeals to me. When you go walking, Kev's track is not a carefully constructed narrative of cause and effect. Things, well, just happen. It rains. The sun comes out. He gets lost. He has an unexpectedly good lunch. He meets a dog. He finds a staff and deems himself a wizard. This is the brilliant secret joy of rambling. You feel that life travels through you as much as you travel through life. Hmm. Life travelling through you. Like you're a big, strong rock in the middle of a river, watching an old boat full of 
fisherman floats by and logs bump into you and plastic memories swirl away and an old bicycle rests against your weight before being dragged inch by inch further away in the autumn rains. This letting things flow through you is the essence of being a happy vagabond. It's a kind of detachment from the everyday noise of the journey to catch in our minds the deep echoes of a place, its sense, its spirit, its genius, its enigma. Some posh academic said this is psychogeography. Perhaps Kevin and I are psychogeographers. But what catches us is the true nature of what lies beneath the surface, seeping up through the cracks like the steam of a New York sidewalk. I too have felt this everywhere, in the heart of the Appalachian Forest, following old Cree Indian trails in Ontario, finding Bushman art in the Orongo Mountains. But probably it's at its most distilled in the cities and older places of inhabitation. These are the deepest wells, full of things to inspire and move and provoke, to question, to challenge and haunt. I know Kev will write songs of his journeys as I have written songs of mine. And many of those will come from the places we visited. William Blake said once, my streets are the ideas of my imagination and so it will be. He was talking about London and I have to think London must be one of the most redolent cities on earth. My London is not built of palaces and fortresses and concrete and steel, but of corners and umbra and little alleys like time machines to another age. The medieval maze of a, that a great fire could not destroy. All things that made their way into my song, London Midnight Talking. A sort of song of salvation set amongst the murmuring of thieves the shadows and the dancers, the mist on midnight waters, the stars above streetlights. And in this song, I have to think that as I wrote it, London flowed through me. talking with dreams of boards and souls and I felt it land against me as we struggled through the cold through streets of would be diamonds streets of brittle fame and the master words were silent watched her lips still shape the name and I do not believe Yeah. 
dark's worth fighting for As far as I can see Peace Asia Peace Asia And the moon shone mislingered O'er the old serpentine Stars hung bravely like bold calendine Summons up all ghosts The will to hide away The words still lingered like a spell On a midnight talking, a time of tumbling leaves. The shadows and the dancers, the murmuring of thieves. I know words were like Toledo steel, cut me to the bone. But there's kindness in a soft blue eyes that break a heart of stone. talking with dreams of bought and souls and I felt a lane against me as we struggled through the cold it's London midnight talking a time of tumbling leaves the shadows and the dancers the murmuring of thieves it's London Midnight talking. Hello everyone and welcome to Kev's Cafe Corner where you find me once more on the pilgrim trail in northern Spain gradually making my way to the city of Santiago de Compostela. Last week, dear listener, you left me soundly asleep in an albergue in Cadoveda. So we'll start today's entry with a little bit about my accommodation. 
As I said, I was the sole guest there that night. It was a private alberg, run by a husband and wife, I think, and two bedrooms had been converted to take four bunks each, so I had a room to myself. There was also a private bathroom. The kitchen was odd, it had a kettle and a fridge, but nothing in it. The woman who'd welcomed me was pleasant, but a little strange. She mumbled something about breakfast when she checked me in. I hadn't actually expected any, so I was pleased to hear it might be on offer. The next morning, I got up and went in the shower, and almost immediately I could hear frantic commotion in the kitchen and I could sense movement through the frosted glass skylight that connected with the kitchen from the bathroom. When I emerged, there was no sign of her, but breakfast had mysteriously appeared. It consisted of a bread roll some jam and margarine and a thermos cup of hot coffee and a small carton of milk in the fridge. The coffee was so strong that with the aid of some boiling water and boiling milk, I was able to get three good cups out of it. Not the heartiest of breakfast, but at 12 euros a night, perfectly adequate. I set off on a chilly but sunny morning, making good headway, part road walking but taking the trails when the Camino shells led me. However, at one point I seemed to get seriously lost. I'd followed a logging trail and it was really beautiful to to take it. There was lots of trees, beautiful scenery and all the log piles on the way. But there were no markers that I could see telling me otherwise so I just kept going. Deeper into the undergrowth I went, having to use my staff to push the brambles and stinging nettles from my path. The way had virtually vanished, but I forged ahead. There's never a machete around when you need one. Suddenly, out of nowhere, and when the undergrowth was at its thickest, a breathtaking view of the ocean and wild cliffs opened up before me through the trees. I pressed onwards on the path, such as it was, taking me downwards. Eventually I came to a small waterfall by an old stone building which looked to have been an old water-driven flour mill in days gone by. My hopes of reaching the beach were dashed as I looked out and saw the water tumble over a cliff a hundred feet down, but the views were just wonderful. I found a path going up the other side. So steep, some intrepid traveller before me had helpfully provided ropes tied to the trees to help pull yourself up with a tough climb and a walk through fields and I eventually emerged in a farmyard before finding my way back onto the Camino. I estimated today's walk would now top 20 kilometres but the detour for such a beautiful view was worth it. I love those happy accidents on a journey like this, somewhere you'd not planned to see but perhaps somewhere you were meant to see. I stopped in a bush shelter to make a coffee, change my sweat-soaked shirt and air some clothes I must have looked a sight, things billowing in the wind hanging off the bus shelter. Some cyclists wished me Buen Camino, and the two pilgrims who I'd met fording the river walked past and said hi. And a little later in the day, I once again met Lily the dog and her owner, my fluid Camino community starting to take shape. One more thing of note. As I walked, I came across an amazing bright red sculpture made from old machinery, towering in a field. It was a truly beautiful artistic creation, and it reminded me of just how important art and creativity are to everyone's well-being. I was quite moved by it.
Dropping down into Luarca was lovely, seeing the boats and the interesting shape of the harbour from above. The hotel was just how Emile had described it. I checked in, early for me, but began washing clothes quickly in the hope that they might be dry before tomorrow. This was always a priority on the road. I headed out for something to eat. I walked out through the town along the tidal riverbank. It was lined by lovely old buildings, some in disrepair, some not. It strangely reminded me of Karlovivari in the Czech Republic. The harbour was a delight with a few funky bars playing cool tunes. It was a really cool place to hang out. I found a place doing chorizo cooked in cider. Really nice and great value and one of my favourites on this trip. I took a few nice photos and headed back to the hotel, organised my albeg for tomorrow in Navia and relaxed. Next time, closing in on Galicia. See you later. This week's entry in the Bishop's Daily Bread is another genuine baking entry. Much to my surprise. I best be careful. I'll be making a habit out of this soon. Um, anyway, so this week, uh, for the first time, I attempted to make pretzels. Uh, a crisp biscuit baked in the form of a knot or stick and flavoured with salt. Well, now, flavoured with salt, you say? Sign me up. Uh, but I'm not sure I'd call them a biscuit, though, Google. Uh, perhaps that's just a sort of funny Americanism. Um, and I'm not sure if I've ever seen them in stick form, to be honest. Um, anyway, to me, a uh, knotted, sort of crispy, soft dough thing, uh, yeah, sprinkled with salt. Um, now, the recipe itself was quite simple, um, although it used plain flour rather than bread flour, which I can never quite rationalise. What is the difference here? Surely I want something quite bready, so I'd use bread flour, wouldn't I? Rather than cakey? cake flour. But what do I know? And I've probably said it about 15,000 times on the podcast what the difference between bread flour and plain flour is and what the results differ, how the results differ. I don't know. Anyway, um, in the dough also a sort of dash of sugar, um, no doubt to aid with getting that sort of darker colour more easily. Um, Now with this dough, after the mixing and kneading, uh, and relatively short time for kneading as well, it's said to only let it rest for 10 minutes or so. You know, not the normal drawn-out proving process of an hour or two. Uh, this shorter process is absolutely fine by me. Um, next, the uh, the cutting and shaping. Now, it's at this point that I'm doubting something. This dough was very, very soft. Quite hard to handle, really. Not sticky or wet, but just very... What's the word? I mean, I suppose limp. Um... <laughs> Anyway, I divided the dough into equal segments, eight equal segments, um, sort of rolling it out or attempting to roll it out into these long ropes. And that was the tricky part. It was so soft that rolling was really hard. The dough would just sort of squish down rather than roll. Anyway, got there eventually. Um, The mysterious twist of the rope that's actually fairly straightforward on this one, uh, unlike previous... um, dough twisting attempts all those months ago um once you know the shape of the pretzel you're aiming for it's actually quite straightforward um but again because this dough was so soft moving the damn things was quite tricky 
uh, onto the, the tray initially whilst I get them all prepared and then from the tray into the big pot of boiling water in sort of twos and threes, um, the water that's got bicarb of soda in. Um, now some of these pretzels went from the tray to the pot without incident, glorious, um, and retained their classic shape, fine. Several did not. Wonky as hell, but I'm sure, I'm sure they were going to taste just fine. So out of the water, onto the tray, sprinkled with some salt crystals, uh, and then into the oven for 12 or 15 minutes. You know, all done in about sort of 30 minutes, really. Um, now, apart from the wonky shape of some of these, they actually turned out very well. Uh, the texture was just about what I was hoping for. Sort of a little bit crunchy on the outside, but chewy and soft on the inside. Uh, and obviously the, the flavour was great. I mean bread and salt what more is there in life to aim for really um so actually as a fairly quick but still has some challenges to entertain oneself with bake um i'd actually recommend pretzels as a thing the result was great quick um tasty you could see how you could do some flavored varieties quite easily you know some cheese on top or some herbs or even sweet varieties would work well um so why not give them a go pretzels <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you for listening wherever in the world you are. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and now YouTube as well. The next episode will be out next Friday. Join us on YouTube for the Transatlantic Connection show and become part of the Transatlantic Connection movement. Head to youtube.com slash thelongroadband. If you fancy buying us a coffee, you now can at buymeacoffee.com slash thelongroadband. It's dead simple to just drop us a few quid to support what we do. It even accepts Apple Pay and Google Pay. Super easy. Uh, all of our music and merch is on Bandcamp, where you can help support a positive ecosystem for the music industry. Downloads, streaming, vinyls, CDs, the companion book, it's all there. The Long Road Band bandcamp.com we're on patreon at patreon.com slash the vagabond way big thank you to our patreons and a special shout out to Orla Flynn, James Lydon, Stuart Lydon, Yvette Lydon and Trish Taylor thank you for your ongoing support if you'd like to support us become a vagabonder you'll get free digital stuff and merchandise in the post if you want it help us create something different something that entertains and something that inspires others so join us on the journey and release the vagabond within patreon.com slash the vagabond way Thank you once again, brave adventurers, vagabonds and explorers, for joining us on the Vagabond Way. Remember, the world isn't beige. It's authentic, it's rich, and it's real. Embrace every last bit of it. Until next time, the journey goes ever on with The Long Road. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.